Hello, and welcome to The Price of Everything, a podcast that, that aims to shine a light on pricing. The cost of commodities, energy, food, and so on, is such an important part of our lives. But how are those prices calculated? Why do they move up and down so much? And what's next? The Price of Everything is the first podcast dedicated purely to how pricing works. My name is Neil Bradford, and I'm the founder and CEO of General Index, the world's first technology-led price benchmark provider. And together with my colleagues from around the world and some special guests, we'll be taking you through how some of the world's most important commodities came to be priced and what the future looks like for them in the age of the energy transition. Hello, thanks for tuning in to this special episode of The Price of Everything. My name is David Elwood. Gasoline is the world's most consumed fuel for cars and motorcycles. But how is it priced? Depending on where in the world you're filling up your tank, the price listed on the forecourt for gasoline, aka petrol, will be a blend of various components, just like the fuel itself. In Europe, a key part of the pricing mechanism takes place in the daily spot market, where buyers and sellers trade the fuel to either secure or offload supplies. Observing that traded spot market are journalists at a small number of price reporting agencies, whose job it is to produce daily price assessments. The agency, whose prices are used as reference points by the buyers and sellers of fuel, is said to be the benchmark. General Index has entered the commodity price benchmarking space with a fresh approach. It is working with the gasoline industry to try and win one of the key benchmarks. To find out more about these efforts and achieving a key recent milestone, I spoke to Sakit Vimprala, Managing Director of Europe and Africa Markets at General Index. There'll be listeners to the podcast for whom this is the first time they've encountered General Index. So, Sakit, could you tell us about GX and the journey since the company was launched just over three years ago? Yes, with pleasure. And uh, let me also take this opportunity to extend my welcome to uh, the listeners on this podcast here today. Uh, General Index was founded at the start of uh, 2020, and the vision behind the company was one that was based in uh, a different way of, of creating and distributing benchmarks to the commodity and energy industries. Uh, in our view, in the 21st century, the, the process of creating and distributing benchmarks ought not to be a journalistic enterprise, uh, and that is because the two primary uh, distributors of benchmarks uh, in the market today are media organizations. They see themselves as journalists. And so their mode of operation entails a large number of market reporters to contact traders and brokers and other market participants, aggregate trade data, uh, whether it's by phone or instant messenger chat and other such venues. And then having aggregated the data in such a manner use a process known as editorial judgment in order to convert that input data into final benchmark prices. And our vision was a very different one, namely that in the 21st century, the process of creating benchmarks should be one that was rooted in technology and not in journalism. And so the General Index USP is a system that ingests data from the systems of 
market participants and exchanges and brokers, that data comes into our data lake where there's a process of hygiene checks and deduplication. Uh, we then have laid on top of that a automation of our methodologies because in our view, methodologies, particularly for the key liquid benchmarks, are effectively a series of mathematical steps. And therefore, if you can codify and automate these mathematical steps, you not only generate benchmarks in a much more consistent and predictable manner, but you do so much more efficiently. Uh, and therefore, you need far fewer people to be able to generate the same number of benchmarks of uh, similar or better quality. Uh, and so this was the vision of the company. As we started back in 2020, we began by focusing on creating price benchmarks for the European oil markets, but then have expanded subsequently, not only geographically to include Asia and the Americas as well, but we've also moved beyond oil into uh, some of the energy transition markets. And General Index as a company has grown to over 40 people. Uh, more than half of all the major energy producers and traders of a global scale are now paying clients. We've got data flowing into the systems of scores of companies. Uh, we've reached data distribution agreements with major aggregators such as Bloomberg and Refinitiv. Uh, and of course, as we'll get to uh, later on today, we're very happy to announce that the very first exchange listed derivatives that settle against our numbers are, are now available for trading. So there's quite a bit that's happened in the last three years. So as, as you say, the, the, the big, the reason we're here today is to discuss this uh, key milestone, both for GX, but also for the gasoline market with the launch of the futures contract. And we'll, look, we'll, we'll come on to explore the, the technical details and what this reflects about shifting gasoline market dynamics shortly. Uh, but perhaps first, just at a very high level, like in a nutshell, what does this launch by ICE the Intercontinental Exchange, which, uh, for those who don't know, is a, a major global financial exchange and clearinghouse. What does the launch of futures contracts uh, for the gasoline market in Europe based on GX price assessments represent uh, as a milestone for the company and where we're at in terms of our offering and collaboration with the market? Well, uh, I think it's, it, it's fair to say that to go from the founding of a business to having financial derivatives available for trading that settle against data produced by that business uh, in a three-year period is uh, quite rapid progress. Uh, you know, we are not aware of any other benchmark data provider that has been able to achieve uh, financial derivatives listings against their numbers within uh, such a short period of time. But the main advantage that this offers our clients and indeed the, the wider market is that uh, people now have price risk management tools at their disposal uh, which reflect this uh, growing market, that of the higher ethanol gasoline blend, which I'm sure we'll get to in a few minutes' time. Uh, and by establishing the very first set of derivatives uh, on an exchange, this allows paper market participants who do not necessarily uh, have assets or activities in the physical oil markets to be able to uh, transact against this, uh, against this growing market. And uh, we hope it's the first of many new instruments that will be listed on exchanges in the in the months and years ahead, uh, covering different commodities. You know, ultimately these listings were driven by by market demand. Uh, we had traders and brokers um, in the market communicating directly with the exchange to say that they wanted these instruments listed to give them the option of being able to to trade them when the time comes. And we're happy to say that that time has come. 
That's excellent. I suppose we can say that perhaps this is an unprecedented step for a new entrant in the market, and we're really pleased that it's happened and pleased to share that news with the listeners that we have here now. Um, I'm sure those listeners will anticipate us uh, digging into the nuances of the listings, and uh, we will come on to do that. Um, but I guess what this represents, the ICE Futures launch, it's just the tip of the iceberg in the evolution of the gasoline market in Europe over the last few decades, if we can be so bold as to position ourselves there. Um, now, the second, the biofuels market has grown to meet uh, more stringent environmental mandates incorporated into gasoline and price indexes have had to change accordingly. Uh, could you set the scene for us, like what's been building up to this point? Yes, with pleasure. Uh, in a way, we have to go back to the, the, the mid to late 2000s in order to set the context for, for where we are today, uh, when the European Union uh, has set itself uh, quite ambitious carbon dioxide emission reduction targets. And in order to be able to achieve those, a key plank, a key pillar in this uh, decarbonization strategy was to mandate and once mandated continually increase the amount of biofuels that were blended into road transport fuels uh, in order to achieve that reduction in, in CO2 emissions. Uh, and this that meant in the case of gasoline, the blending of ethanol, which has the effect of not only uh, helping to reduce carbon emissions, but helping to reduce uh, emissions of particulate matters, uh, which of course has uh, also a matter of uh, significant concern for people who, who simply want to breathe clean, cleaner air. And uh, even though there are some concerns that the, the increased use of ethanol in gasoline blends uh, reduces the, um, the energy efficiency simply because it's uh, less energy dense than that of uh, fossil fuel, nonetheless, it is effective at uh, removing carbon dioxide uh, from the atmosphere. And as we're seeing in some other transport fuels as well, by picking a liquid path to decarbonization, you can take advantage of an existing liquid fuels manufacturing and distribution infrastructure, which of course helps to uh, ensure that you don't have issues such as uh, uh, mass joblessness and uh, you know other politically sensitive factors as uh, as well. And so as part of all of this, uh, going back to the late 2000s, particularly around 2009, um, the market began to observe increased trading in uh, streams of gasoline to which one had to add ethanol in order to reach the final European specification, the EN228 uh, specification. Um, these are known as uh, BOBs or blend stocks for oxygen blending. Uh, as someone once said to me a, a long time ago, gasoline is effectively a soup uh, into which you can add many different ingredients in order to reach your desired end product uh, because gasoline blenders and sellers are looking to sell uh, cargos or barges of gasoline into particular markets. And of course, every market, every country, and in some cases within countries, different regions uh, will have different specifications uh, regarding everything from the evaporability of the fuel, the minimum octane of the fuel, the sulfur content, and so on. And so uh, your bob uh, can be sourced from different streams produced uh, from various different refinery units. Anywhere from five to 15 different streams can be commingled to, to create a bob. Uh, and once you've got your bob, uh, you then add ethanol to it uh, as close as possible to the final uh, point of sale because the hydrophilic nature of ethanol means you don't want to add it too early on in the, uh, in, in the process of the gasoline uh, distribution. Uh, and so 
a bob that allows you to meet European spec or Eurobob uh, began to emerge as a traded commodity starting around 2009. Uh, and so this necessitated a change in the benchmark uh, from the finished grade, uh, in other words, the petrol that you would put in your car, to the Eurobob specification uh, effectively as of 2010, uh, where it has remained ever since. Okay, and I know that listeners to The Price of Everything and the first series that we did on Brent will know that whilst we discuss quite technical matters, we do try and um, uh, unpack those for um, uh, listeners who are looking to um, learn more about markets and might be markets they don't know too much about. So look, there's, there is some technical detail there in what uh, you try to unpack. Um, uh, so I guess two of the, the bobs, right, that we've come to know are, and what we're talking about quite um, quite a lot in, in, in this special episode, are E5 and E10. Um, what do those stand for? I mean, gasoline, uh, just something else to say. So gasoline, also no, be better known to some parts of the European market as petrol. Um, we should kind of make that clear as well, uh, broadcasting this, recording this from the UK. Um but just unpack some of those. So E5, E10, before we go any further, because we're going to talk, you'll refer to those a lot more. So what does E5 and E10 stand for within the context of what you've been describing of all these bobs? Well, both E5 and E10 gasoline um, ultimately have to meet uh, the final so-called EN228 specification for gasoline. And you know the EN228 will list out, as I was mentioning a few minutes ago, either minimum or maximum thresholds for various parameters, such as octane and sulfur and evaporability and so on. But the, the E5 or the E10 uh, refers effectively to how much ethanol is in uh, the final blend of the gasoline. And so uh, if, if your gasoline uh, being made available at the point of sale uh, contains 5% ethanol, that is E5. And if it contains 10% ethanol, that is E10. And because various countries across Europe have moved at different speeds in their mandating of ethanol blending uh, and the increase in, in the proportion of ethanol in the gasoline, uh, it is a bit of a variegated landscape uh, across the continent. And so uh, typically what we've seen is uh, it, that it has been Northern and Central Europe that has pushed uh, the blending of ethanol into gasoline uh, faster than others. Uh, as things currently stand, there are about 16 countries across Europe uh, that have either mandated uh, the sale of uh, E10 as the primary grade of gasoline at the pump uh, or where E10 fuel uh, is available. Uh, some of the key tipping points, uh, if you go back to 2017, 2019, this was when respectively Belgium and the Netherlands moved from E5 to E10 gasoline. Those were quite important, not only because those countries comprise a significant share of uh, the Northwest European refining footprint, uh, but those countries also have within them some of the major gasoline export and blending hubs, in particular Amsterdam. Uh, and so for many traders in the market, uh, the adoption by Belgium and Netherlands of, of E10 gasoline uh, heralded uh, a bit of a tipping point uh, that may be the E5 blend stock, which was considered the standard grade, uh, was no longer as representative of the European market uh, as, as, as E10. But we'll, we'll come to export markets in a moment. Uh, rounding out the rest of Europe, uh, the UK moved to E10 gasoline in 2021. Uh, market share has been growing in France. And even in Germany, which uh, has always taken a bit of a skeptical attitude towards the, the E10 gasoline because of concerns that 
um, owners of, of older vehicles uh, might not be able to handle the higher ethanol blends. Uh, market share has been rising steadily and is nationwide across Germany now around 25%. And anecdotally, the, there are parts of Germany where that's even higher. So we're now at a stage where uh, some estimates suggest something like half of all European gasoline consumption is now E10, and that share is only going to, to grow as, uh, as, as the years progress. So we've had a few more countries uh, in, in the past year adopt E10, like Norway and Austria and Poland is set to follow next year. And so effectively now it is really only the Mediterranean countries primarily where, where E5 is the standard grade. So as we've seen that evolution, that shift from E5 to E10, you think that we're sort of at a tipping point, right, in terms of gasoline consumption moving towards the higher ethanol uh, blend stock. How have we seen that affect the composition of the, the daily EBOB traded swap markets that we here at GX track for our assessments? There has been a, a very clear trend line over the past five years. If you go back to, say, 2018, uh, volumes, spot market traded volumes, that is of the E10 suitable Eurobob, in other words, a Eurobob to which if you add a 10% ethanol, it would get you to the EN228 specification, uh, was really only a small fraction of the total traded volume of, of Eurobob in the spot market. But um, starting around 2019, as more uh, companies began entering the market, volumes began to grow quite significantly. And what's been quite striking over the past year is that uh, the volumes of the E5 suitable Eurobob or Eurobob Oxy, as we call it, uh, is now only about half of, of the total volume, whereas if you went back to, say, five years ago, it was you know, comfortably 90%. Uh, and so the share of E10 out of the total Eurobob spot market is, is, is now, depending on how you measure it, on a monthly or quarterly average basis, you know, at around 50%. Uh, and it's not unusual on a daily basis for the E10 volumes to exceed those of, of E5 Oxy based on the trade data that General Index is, is receiving and using to create its benchmark prices. And one reason why this is important is that there is effectively something that no one in the market likes to see, which is split liquidity. In general, across all spot traded markets, what, what traders and brokers would like to see is a convergence of liquidity around certain tentpole benchmarks in order to enable good price discovery. And when you have good price discovery around uh, deeply traded liquid benchmarks that allow people to use that as a reference to then be able to trade related uh, commodities by using differentials and spreads. Uh, but now effectively you've got two price references. One is E5 suitable Eurobob or Eurobob Oxy and the other is E10 suitable Eurobob, non-Oxy uh, with, with similar volumes. So rather than the entire market coalescing around one price reference, uh, it, it appears to be split between between two, which which does have implications, uh, as we'll see in the coming minutes. And when it comes to the derivatives market, the paper market, which is um, a kind of key interest point today, so the Intercontinental Exchange, ICE, has been the primary home for um, activity on the E5-related instruments. Um, how does that, uh, like, how popular is E5 versus E10 from a current paper exchange perspective and try and unpack that for us alongside uh, what, what are the sort of the challenges and the considerations now for the market as it looks to manage its uh, gasoline 
uh, risk exposure going forward? Well, historically, the, the legacy use of E5-Oxy meant that uh, over the last uh, 10, 15, 20 years, as the European market looked to a, a financial contract, a derivative, a, a swap or a future that they could use for their price risk management, for hedging, for taking a forward view on the market, that liquidity uh, concentrated and congregated around instruments which settle against the E5 uh, oxy quote. And over time, that built up because you have not just physical market participants, but a very large number of paper market participants, um, including banks and market makers and derivatives traders who need a liquid or a set of liquid instruments uh, in order to take a view on uh, the relative strength or weakness of the gasoline market. Uh, and because of the network effects of trading generally, that just attracted more and more liquidity to the to the E5 paper. And if you look at the open interest figures just on the on the ICE exchange, it's uh, the the contrast between the physical and paper is quite stark because a few minutes ago we were talking about how the E10 uh, Bob is now about half of the spot traded volumes. But what's interesting is that on the paper side, the derivatives that settle against the E10 gasoline uh, comprises only about 1% of the total open interest. Uh, and so 99 out of 100 uh, trades or expressions of interest in trading on the paper side are against the E5 oxy rather than the, the E10 non-oxy. So there is a very clear specification mismatch between the gasoline that is on the one hand being consumed by the average European gasoline consumer, the gasoline that is being traded in the spot market, because the trades are not just, of, of course, in relation to what's going on in Europe, but uh, given that Europe is uh, produces more gasoline than it consumes, in other words, it's net long on gasoline, uh, a lot of it gets exported to other regions. And there are regions in the world, a key gasoline importers from Europe, for whom the better price reference is the E10 non-oxy rather than the E5 oxy. And yet, despite all of these reasons, the overwhelming majority of liquidity on the paper side still sits on instruments that settle against the E5 oxy. And so there is a clear mismatch right now between the two, which has to be resolved. And what are you hearing from market participants? As we, I know as we, we've been developing um, uh, both the, the, the gasoline assessments and working with stakeholders in the industry um, to drum up support for um, the futures listings. What's the feedback been in terms of how fast they want to now kind of uh, precipitate that transition to E10 on, on the paper side? Is that something that we expect to happen? Uh, is there appetite for that to happen quickly? What sort of timeframes are we looking at? Uh, there certainly is that appetite. Uh, the, the feedback that we've had from the market in the time that we've been developing and promoting our gasoline benchmarks uh, has been that a benchmark provider has to work in concert with market participants to affect an orderly transition to the E10 non-oxy gasoline. Uh, and so this is something that we have tried to do. We've been very uh, positive and assertive that you know E10 non-oxy is the future of the spot gasoline traded markets in Northwest Europe. And therefore the market needs liquid instruments in relation to that commodity uh, in order to enable wider and better price discovery. And so in terms of timeline, uh, our expectation from having engaged with market participants is that uh, we expect over the next six to 12 months uh, and possibly on the shorter end of that range, 
that a significant portion, if not the bulk of the 99% of liquidity that I mentioned earlier on the derivative side to shift from E5 to E10 instruments. And so this is, I think we can say imminent. This is this is going to happen very soon. Uh, and, and general index stands stands ready to be able to uh, uh, to help in this in this orderly transition. Well, I know that GX is is, is excited to be collaborating with our uh, colleagues at the Intercontinental Exchange on these on these new listings. I think this is uh, a good point at which we perhaps can get you to um, outline what was actually being launched. Um, I know that's the, look just a, a note for for listeners. We're recording this on uh, the twenty eighth of June. Um, and these listings, the futures contracts were were released. They were launched earlier this week at the start of the week. So what exactly is the solution in partnership with ICE that GX is proposing here? Well, so effectively at the start of this week, uh, three new contracts were launched by the ICE exchange and are now available for trading. Uh, all three contracts use as their settlement basis the daily benchmark created by General Index for Eurobob non-oxy, uh, in other words, E10 suitable blend stock. And the three contracts are an outright dollar per ton futures contract uh, with a lot size of 1,000 tons. There is a smaller variant of that contract, uh, a mini future, which has a lot size of 100 tons rather than the 1,000, but otherwise the contract op operates in a similar way. Um, and then finally, there is a variant of that in turn uh, but the difference is the timing in that the, the contract uh, covers uh, what's known as the BALMO or the balance of month. In other words, the remainder of the current calendar month as of the, as of the date of, uh, of trading. And so these are the three instruments that are now available uh, to trade in the market. And uh, you know, we are expecting and, and hoping to be able to welcome the first trades on these instruments uh, very soon and to encourage a buildup of liquidity on these instruments. So you you mentioned earlier that uh, like this is for the first time in decades the market now has access to oil derivatives on a, on a major exchange utilizing a settlement basis a GX settlement basis produced by a new benchmark provider. Um, this is the culmination of a lot of work. Um, I know you're too humble. You want uh, give yourself a pat on the back, but work that you've been doing over the last couple of years. Um, uh, so I'm going to give you that pat on the back. But what progress has been, this is the culmination of all that work, what progress has been made so far in adopting GX as the benchmark of choice for E10? Well, our starting point, if we go back to you know business launch in, in, in 2020, was to first develop a solid and robust methodology and circulate that and the initial data to the market in order to uh, obtain market validation. Um, and we have done that now, and we, did, we achieved that relatively early on the market, having looked at our data and having looked at our methodology, confirmed that they were happy with the robustness of it, they were happy with the transparency of it. We sought from the very beginning to move away from the editorial judgment approach that I mentioned at the start of this podcast, and develop very clear and consistent rules in how we calculate our benchmark prices. And so for every one of our benchmarks, not just on gasoline, but across all markets, we have Fact sheets uh, and attached to those are flow charts, which are pictorial representations, uh, schematics in effect of the uh, the calculation logic, a decision tree, which captures all important 
market scenarios. The idea being that the end user should never be surprised at how general index arrived at a final benchmark price on any given day. And so this uh, transparent approach and consistent approach was, was validated by the market. We also developed some very consistent rules uh, around particular scenarios where uh, price discovery can sometimes be tricky, uh, in particular on days of low market liquidity, uh, the twice annual transition uh, between seasonal grades uh, from summer grade to winter grade and vice versa, uh, and also the way in which we calculate a end of day or a market close swap value that we utilize in our in our calculations. And so in all of these, we believe we have been market leading and we have been able to, to put out a number that uh, has gained the market's confidence. Once we did all of this, uh, we then began to identify internal use cases uh, for the market to be able to start deploying our number. And so, you know, we can say now that there are industry participants that are utilizing general index gasoline prices for some of their internal use functions. And so uh, trader positions can be marked against those, uh, inventories can be evaluated against those uh, uh, for similar purposes like analysis and forecasting and strategy. Uh, people are able to use the general index uh, year above data and indeed are, are doing so. Uh, we then followed that up with uh, the first set of uh, spot trades. Uh, and so you know, we can say that uh, three majors, uh, have between them undertaken a series of trades uh, where the floating price reference was general index Eurobob. Uh, and so, you know, we are able to say with confidence to the market that general index Eurobob is a, is a price reference that is robust enough on which to be able to enact physical trades. Um, and the final part of it, of course, was in order to encourage full adoption of our benchmarks, people need the paper that goes with the physical. They need hedging tools, price risk management tools to go alongside their their benchmark price. And now we have those. And yes, as we kind of come to the end of this, this special episode, what comes next? What's the next in the uh, adoption pathway for uh, GX, Eurobob, and um, the new E10 listings? Well, we are working with all of the key participants in this market to make sure that all of their systems and middle offices have the correct codes mapped for the new instruments to be able to take advantage of being able to trade these. Uh, uh, in, in, in a way, the hard work uh, is to encourage now more people to start taking uh, uh, thinking more seriously about how it is they intend on migrating some of their, their paper trading activities over to the E10 uh, suitable instruments. Uh, it is also incumbent upon us uh, to work with those participants who have legacy positions in E5 oxy markets to be able to uh, uh, create price references that will allow them to price those out in, in an accurate and acceptable way as well. And so that is something that that we intend to do, um, but that does not in any way diminish our enthusiasm for, for being um, positively and assertively uh, pushing the adoption of, of, of E10 gasoline um, all the way through into the paper markets. Okay, well, we could talk for a lot longer, but I think we will um, we will leave it there for now. Sackett, it's been a real pleasure. We use these podcasts, we launch the price of everything to be able to shine a light on the various ways that uh, markets function and the role of pricing. Um, and it's a thrill to be able to listen to how that uh, works uh, within the gasoline space. 
um, and the work that GX has been doing. Uh, so thank you very much for your time and for unpacking that for us. My pleasure. Thank you. Many thanks to Sackett for his insights. To find out more about General Index, check out our website, general-index.com, or you'll find more information in the show notes for this episode. Until the next time, you've been listening to The Price of Everything, the first podcast dedicated purely to pricing. Goodbye. Goodbye.